0: It's now time for an in-depth look dedicated to all things pertaining to the New York Red Bulls. Tackling all of the latest news and happenings both on and off the pitch. This is the Fall of Bulls podcast. With some help from Toronto FC, the New York Red Bulls captured their third MLS supporter's shield in six seasons. We recapped the 1-0 victory over Orlando City, put a bow on the 2018 MLS regular season campaign for New York, and preview the first leg of the Eastern Conference semifinal series with the Columbus crew. It is an MLS Cup playoff edition of the Fuller Bulls podcast. Alongside Alfredo Fumasas, I am Mike Corbett. We're talking all things affiliated with the New York Red Bulls. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at FOBS Podcast subscribe on itunes find us on podbean and spotify i think i don't know you might be able to subscribe on there as well but be sure to rate us uh, leave comments positive and negative yeah maybe positive you know we don't really need too much negativity right now it's all positive uh full full steam ahead for the, the red bulls in the playoffs and of course tell your fellow red bull supporters to to, to give us a listen okay alfredo how, how is your whole week i'm first of all sorry we're doing this here Friday evening, which in a way sort of works out a little bit because we know all the results and any of the new news that came out today. But we wanted to try to record it last night. I wasn't really able to, uh, to attend to certain things with the, the baby. And plus, those games are running late, so we wouldn't have been able to record really late. So we apologize for that aspect. But, you know, we're doing it here on our Friday night when some people like to go out. So we're recording. We're going to go post it online almost immediately. And then, uh, Retweeted all this weekend, Alfredo. How, how was your week for the most part? It's great, man. It's, uh, it's a very week. Yeah, I know. We were just talking beforehand. Your uh, your Benfica they didn't do too well today on Friday. Manchester United's always up and down, but we have at least the Red Bulls here that are uh, giving us some positivity <laughs> in the soccer slash football world, as you would say. For sure. Yeah, and let's go to. The positive development that happened this past weekend, the Red Bulls defeated Orlando City to clinch the Supporters' Shield. Both you and I were there at Red Bull Arena. It was 1-0 final to New York, coupled with a Toronto FC 4-1 thrashing of Atlanta United up at BMO Field. This MLS supporter Shield, that finally arrived there, comes to the Red Bulls for the third time, and it was at six seasons. It was at 2013, 2015, yep. and now 2018. So now they have home field advantage throughout the 2018 MLS postseason, including if they should get there, MLS Cup Final, that would be on a Saturday night, December 8th. The New York Red Bulls, yes, the Red Bulls, Metro stars this whole franchise. This year, Alfredo, set the MLS single season record for wins in a season, 22 wins. Actually, they say that's the most wins in the the modern era, the post-shootout era, but 22 wins. Most wins for a team at home with 14 Points earned in the season, 71. Points earned at home in the season, 43. New York also tied a franchise mark for most wins on a road in a single season. They won on the road nine times. Chris Armis becomes the third different head coach to lead the Red Bulls to the Supporter Shield, Mike Pecky, 2013. And also congrats to Pecky. His Real Salt Lake uh, snuck into the playoffs. And they won last night as well against LAFC. And Jesse Marsh in 2015. Armis took over from Marsh earlier this season. The game itself... Yeah, you know, maybe could have been better. Um, no, Mark Tchaikovsky in the, ga- uh, in the game. Day 18, Daniel Royer started on the bench. Alex Muel, Derek Etienne Jr. were in the starting 11. Red Bulls awarded an early penalty when Bradley Wright Phillips was taken out in the box. Now, with Daniel Royer, normally the guy has been the, the designated penalty taker. Uh, he started the game on the bench. So Derek Etienne Jr. Um, we'll get we'll get into this right now. He steps up to take the penalty. Kaku is on on the field as well. Kaku took the winning penalty the previous week in Philadelphia. But they go with um, Derek Etienne Jr. And you can almost say with an assist to former Red Bull captain, Sasha Cushion. You pointed this out on our monitor right there that we had on MSG right in front of us on press row. You know, Sasha's sort of pointing uh, to Orlando keeper Adam Greenwitz on which way to go. He dives that way. That's the way that Etienne Jr. goes and makes the save. Uh, before I get into the rest of the match and what happened, uh, the penalty attempt itself. First of all, um, I don't know if, who is, uh, I guess, worse on Sunday taking the penalties, Etienne Jr.'s attempt or Pogba's? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it's funny they say that, uh, Mike, because one of the questions in in the press, I think Pogba
0: is still still uh, stepping up to his. But yeah,
1: um, one of the questions in the presser uh, after the game was about the the penalty and uh, the, whose decision it was, and Armas did say that. Uh, yeah. you know, after after the game, they after the practice sessions, they stay. So there's a group of guys that are. Mm-hmm able to take penalties uh, right. that have been chosen so it, they don't necessarily have a particular guy and from what he was saying was that the decision is made on the field amongst those guys so uh so while i would have liked to have seen kaku take the penalty kick uh at that time there was probably a discussion kaku let uh derek Etienne uh, take it and it was uh It was a pretty horrible one. If that's the ones he takes in practice, I don't know why he's even been selected, but I am going to uh, guess that he doesn't take those type of uh, penalty kicks in in practice, that they're all upper 90s and side netting, and that's why he's being chosen.
0: Yeah, and and here's the thing with Kaku, if he were taking it, remember when he did miss a few weeks ago against Atlanta United, there was a fellow Argentinian, Tinian on the field, yeah, because he's originally from Argentina, but he declared for Paraguay to, to play his international uh, uh, soccer, football, where sort of uh, hinted to um, uh, Guzan which way Kaku was going to go. Maybe he knew him from years ago. And you saw sort question of, uh, do the same thing. I would have thought, of anything, that would have been a perfect time for Kaku because question never played with Kaku. Yeah. Right, so he didn't. He wouldn't know how he go. You know, how he presents himself in practice. He's a left-footed guy as well. But h- here's my thing about the whole attempt. I guess what you, I was going to get to what you just said with Armist, where they say they they drill him in practice. You know, he said he usually steps up, drills him in practice. Etienne Jr. is always full of confidence in himself. But for me, though, um, this isn't a, sort of a throwaway game. This was an important game where home field advantage throughout the playoffs was on the line. To me, I would have rather had one of my regulars, who's usually in the starting eleven each week, and who was at least very in the lineup each week. Uh, you know, Etienne Jr. Yeah, he's 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 found a, he's found a pretty much a permanent spot uh, in the in the start not starting but the game day eighteen. But yeah, I some in that situation you want Kaku, but who knows what he was feeling? Maybe his his leg was cramping up at the moment. But I, I just yeah. think with everything on the line, I want someone else besides Etienne Jr. up there, drilling from the spot.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's a lot harder to uh, to kick a, a PK uh, in front of your home crowd, yeah. knowing what the significance of a goal would mean, than it is to uh, to kick PKs in practice, where all you hear is the birds in that uh, countryside venue. The Rebels' uh, train at.
0: Yeah, I was just listening to Armis' presser before. Well, not his presser, <laughs> but his media scrum with, uh, with the reporters, and they had a plane flying right overhead. It sounded like they were right on the runway there at Newark or something. But Okay, back to the game itself. Um, Etienne Jr., as much as I just criticized him for his penalty attempt, he did redeem himself in the 53rd minute when he put one pack, pass, when it was for his fifth goal of the season. Uh, a few moments later, it looked like Orlando City might have equalized with a Dom Dwyer header, of, um, but he was ruled correctly offside. We saw on the replay, you could see just slightly he was offside. It was a correct call. Luis Robles only had to make one save for the league-leading 14th shutout of the season, and his 63rd of his career put him in sole possession of ninth place on the all-time MLS list. And here's something just heading into the postseason to give you know the Red Bull fans some of um, a boost of encouragement. Red Bulls had clean sheets in four of their last five games and outscored their opponents nine to one during that time frame. All right, um, I sort of jumped ahead when we talked about the Etienne. But uh, before we go into a whole wrap up of the whole season and you know where this this team ranks, the the game itself against Orlando City. Orlando City is a team that's been eliminated a long time ago. We sort of said they just sort of had their goodbye moment the week before when they were playing their final home game, and they beat Columbus, actually. Uh, And then Sasha Kleshton had a late uh, penalty for the winner. Uh, We discussed it last week following the win at Philly that it wasn't an impressive performance by the Red Bulls, but they they found a way to get the three points. This one, season finale, they're at home, Orlando's in last place. They've already probably checked out. They're probably just determining where they're going on their vacations and stuff once the season's uh, you know, over. They only win the game 1 nil, And, you know, there were moments where Orlando probably could have, you know, equalized. And at certain points, that might have been proved disastrous for the Red Bulls, depending on the scoreline, which kept on changing by the second at Red Bull Arena when goals were put up on the scoreboard and waved off what was going on up in Toronto. Um, is it? Is it right for me? Obviously, everything's feeling good. They want to the support a shield, but not to be too impressed with uh, winning on Sunday. Just just the way they looked again. It was just sort of another performance where it, there was a lot on the line, yeah. but you just sort of felt they yeah. weren't really grasping it, at least right away.
1: Yeah. And, and look, I, I think that it's been like that for the past couple. Uh, couple weeks uh, that the Red Bulls have played. Uh, Nothing too impressive but effective and they managed to get the points. I think that uh, what's been really huge for for the Red Bulls this, this season has been their defense and when you have the defense that you've had uh, that's perhaps without looking, even looking at the table. They're 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 probably the best defense in the league. When you have a league like that, you know if you keep playing, sooner or later you're gonna grab that goal. And I think that's what the, what the Red Bulls have in mind this late in the season. That. Uh, they're sure of their defense. They're confident that those guys can shut it down back there. And then uh, you got guys like BWP that only needs half a chance to to get one. Or if it's not a BWP, it's the, somebody else getting in there. But you're right. It wasn't a very impressive game. There was actually a moment in a game and probably between 60 and 75 minute mark uh, that you really saw things taking a turn as far as Orlando getting closer to Robles's goal. Yeah. Uh, and then that kind of coincides with that moment where uh, Dwyer, Dwyer um scored the goal, right? So that was yeah. perhaps uh, Toronto's, uh, Toronto, Orlando's best yeah. moment.
0: Yeah, and it was his moment later where he missed just wide too.
1: Yeah. So at that, it was a little. It was scary. But as we looked up at the big screens and saw the the live updates of uh, uh, scored updates, you know, I think that people started feeling confident. But, you know, I I just think that the, the Red Bulls are are a team that are very secure themselves, especially their defensive efforts. And I think that when you have that great of a defense, you know, sooner or later, you're going to get a chance.
0: Also, uh, might I throw this in here? I want to say bad job by MLS. For not having a backup Supporter Shield present at Red Bull Arena on Sunday. I understand why you want to have one in Toronto. It was in Toronto? Yeah, it was up in Toronto, ready to give to Atlanta United. They came into the day with a point ahead of the Red Bulls. And you thought all they had to do was win against Toronto FC. I understand why they had one there. I don't understand how much of those things. All it is is a big oversized plate right? Yeah. I don't understand why you can't have a replica one. How yeah. much do you think those things cost? Maybe a couple hundred bucks? Yeah, you're, well, yeah. maybe a little bit more, but it's certainly know, the MLS but the, the, league, the, league, it. the league has the money. MLS has the money. Yeah, they're getting all these new expansion teams coming in each year. They're raising the expansion prices for expansion teams. Uh, I mean, how do they not at least have two for a situation like this? They want to build up the decision day where, hey, places can be uh, changed. The supporter shield could be won or lost. Being in and out of the playoffs can be determined on one kick. They want to hype it up. I believe in the Premier League, they do have at least two trophies for such a situation where if, you know, because you you thought back in 2012 when it came down between Manchester United and Manchester City, when Aguero scored right with a few seconds left, it looked like Manchester United were going to win it. I don't know if that's something where they just drive the trophy back and forth. But I think in that situation, they at least have two. we were talking last week they have multiple stanley cups they have the one that they present on the ice and that's the one that the players take when they have their day with the stanley cup but then they at least have one that's always at the hockey hall of fame that's on display that you could sit there take pictures with it with your friends that are on trips up in toronto ones that they have going out to the county fairs Uh, come on mls stop being so cheap at least have two you don't have to have both on display at the same time have it stored away in the offices have it you know in uh Don Garber's closet. I'm sure he's got a huge closet somewhere wherever he lives. Store it in there. And when you get to a situation like this, go, all right, you know what? Let's put one you know, behind the scenes there at Red Bull Arena. Keep it all locked up so no one can see it. So it's you know no jinx if it's out on display and they don't happen to win it. And you have one up in Toronto ready to land United. Bad job. I, I, I'm sorry. And this is not as if the first time that – the, the, the supporter shield was determined on the final day. It was also in 2015 where they, they did have it in Chicago for the Red Bulls because they were the ones in the lead. All they had to do was win and they got it. But but come on.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Mike. Uh, and I know that you, you mentioned uh, be put away in a room. But. How do you know Toronto didn't know that that shield was in house, and that just serves as extra motivation? to not have Atlanta celebrating their home. Now you're talking about one of the teams that had just cleaned everything out last uh, last season, held the the record for most wins. I wonder had if it was held in that the trophy mo- case. <laughs> well, it, I don't know if it was. It, it's possible. Yeah, I but, but here's the thing: how fitting was it that? If they, in fact, knew that the the, 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 the supporter shield was in house, that they were going to play their right. hardest to make sure that Atlanta did not only uh, break right. their points it's, and win record, but also didn't celebrate with the shield that they had just given yeah. up.
0: Oh, no, no, I, I, yeah, that was definitely a good motivation for Toronto FC, and uh, they they've had their struggles this year with injuries and inconsistent play. You know, especially with all the games they played last year. In the Champions League, in the Canadian Championship, and going through all the way through MLS Cup playoffs, and they went to Champions League final this year in Concacaf and lost. So that does add up to you. So you could see that they they did wear wear down this year, but there's there's still some quality there, and there's still a sense of professional pride, and also yeah. own personal pride. And when these guys these these guys are competitors. So it was good to see them step up, at least for a Red Bulls point of view. It sure helped out the Red Bulls. Yeah. Okay. Looking back at what the Red Bulls have achieved in 2018, best regular season record in MLS history. It is all about MLS Cup. I totally get that. And people always think when it comes to the Red Bulls, it's that Charlie Brown running up to kick the football and Lucy yanks it away and goes flying and they fall on their face Each MLS Cup postseason, I get that from from years past, you know, so but it just seems as if really what they've accomplished this year in setting the records, setting the wins and point records, it's just by fans, by MLS media and other soccer media. In a way, it almost seems like it's getting overlooked what they've accomplished, and I say this because what we just talked about, Toronto FC, how they cleaned house last year with the Canadian Championship, with the Supporter Shield, then going on to win MLS Cup the way they did, and we heard about how great this team was, not just even after the season, but during the season, what they were accomplishing And it's not as if Toronto FC had this big, extensive playoff history, like, say, DC United once had or the LA Galaxy, where they've won all these MLS Cups. You know, they came into MLS 2007, only made the playoffs for the first time in 2015, lost in the MLS Cup final 2016, redeemed themselves last year. Now, with the Red Bulls, it's almost as if they were looking more towards how great Atlanta United were doing early in the year when it was, you know, New York city FC before they sort of uh, fell off by the wayside. Obviously what LA FC did is an expansion team this year. There was even talk for a while about FC Dallas. And of course the, the normal suspects, Portland, Seattle, you know, supporting Kansas city out West. It almost seems if us, because of the red bulls, it just, it just sort of gets swept under the rug.
1: Yeah. Look to to me, The reason why the Rebels get overlooked uh, so often and have been in the past couple of years is because they lack a commercial superstar and when I say that I'm talking about Ibrahimovic I'm talking about David Villa I'm talking about Giovinco I'm talking about guys that have played at the biggest stages in Europe or name brands granted Bradley Wright Phillips did play in the EPL but he was just a, a an average player in the yeah. EPL and he played he's, a little bit
0: more in the, the lower levels there too he right didn't really play much in the in the Premier League
1: Right, and so he was—he's a guy that wasn't really a household name until he got to the MLS. He kind of made a niche for himself, but he's not looked at as a high-profile commercial superstar mm-hmm. in the likes of Ibrahimovic, like I uh, yeah. like I mentioned before, Rooney, now, yeah. Rooney, Schweinsteiger, wh- whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that oftentimes that the Red Bulls get overlooked for that. But the thing that the, 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 that's the most impressive about the, these Red Bulls is that. Despite the lack of somebody like that, they have a very, very good team. Uh, you don't have one single guy that's just a, a world beater, a uh, the, the guy that's going to change uh, uh, the game for you. Even though a lot of it, a lot of them will argue that BWP is a game changer, and I don't disagree, but it, it's it, it's more of a team than anything else for me about these Rebels and watching these Rebels all season. We've seen that. We've seen what these guys have been able to do. Some of them young kids. We've seen uh what Parker's insertion in, in the in the center of defense has done uh for the uh for for this defense and guys like Sean Davis who a couple of years ago, everybody was doubting whether this kid was going to be able to step in and, and fill in Dax McCarthy's shoes, and he's kind of been the unsung hero of this mm-hmm. team. The guy in the midfield, very consistent, doesn't get hurt. Uh, you've seen Tyler Adams pick up a little bit of a knock. Tyler Adams going to the national team. You got uh, Sikowski, same thing, problems with injuries. Uh, uh, the other guy that I that I uh, forget his name now that got the uh, uh, MCL. Oh, hello? Below, but yeah. uh, the the other the other dude, that I forget his name now. Uh, he also has an an MCL uh, injury, um, but he's been missed the consistency for these Red Bulls teams, and uh, and I think that you you get when you have guys like that that just add to the to the chemistry of the team and the nature and the fiber of the team. It's gonna be hard to beat these guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it just it just sort of seems if it was any other team in MLS having uh, what what the Red Bulls did this year, it, it would have been it would have been hyped up a little bit more. But I think it's part of their past. I I think part of that gets you know Cold water thrown upon it, where the the accomplishments and it's always going to be yeah, but well, what you did in the postseason. And Sorry, I'm not just saying, I'm not, yeah, Bezicor. okay, Sorry. but um, I, I'm not just saying that even about. The outside press looking in, uh, that's almost in a way with the the Red Bull fans themselves almost have, you know, all right, now it's the postseason. Let's, Let's see what you can do now. Yeah. Talking about the playoff outlook here, the Eastern Conference, obviously the Red Bulls finished top of the conference and top of the league. Atlanta United, number two, NYCFC, number three, D.C. fourth, Columbus fifth. Philadelphia finished sixth, and uh, New York City FC defeated Philadelphia Wednesday night, 3-1 at Yankee Stadium. They move on to meet Atlanta in the Eastern Conference semifinals. D.C. versus Columbus. Everyone was um, hyping up D.C. Actually, they would get more hype probably than the Red Bulls the second half with Acosta, with Rudy leading the charge. But it was the Columbus crew. They defeated D.C. in penalties, so that's why Columbus will be taking on the Red Bulls here in the other semifinal in the Eastern Conference. Over at the West. Sporting Kansas City finished top of the West along with Seattle number two, LAFC three, FC Dallas four, Portland fifth, and Real Salt Lake. And in both the knockout stages, it was both the fifth and sixth seeded teams. Portland beat Dallas 2 1, LAFC versus Real Salt Lake. The fighting Mike Petkies prevailed over the upstart Los Angeles Football Club. Okay. Um, Also, real quick. But the bigger choke job on Sunday. Atlanta using the supporter shield by losing 4-1 to in Toronto or Galaxy losing a final playoff spot by losing at home to Houston 3-2 after leading 2-0 at halftime. Um, I would probably lean a little bit towards LA Galaxy because at least Atlanta United, they still are in the play, playoffs. They still got a first-round bye to the, to the semifinals. And you're going up in Toronto. Uh, it's probably a little bit tougher than playing at home against Houston who was a team where they weren't winning anything so that was definitely a bad job by the galaxy yeah well that that, that 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 was shocking too all right also just real quick before we get into uh, the semifinal matchup with Columbus just the whole MLS cup playoff format you saw in some there was actually a great crowd in um la last night and in uh, DC with the new stadiums and of course both those teams lost. But then you sort the of night before, you know, at Yankee Stadium, they they said it was about fifteen thousand. I saw the crowd there; probably looked less than that. And also, uh, down in Dallas, that yeah, that stadium was empty. It's just tough because you don't know, um, because you know the New York City fans to you know give them uh, you know an excuse if they would have lost on Sunday, there was a chance that they wouldn't have been playing at home in the knockout stage. So to be able to, you know, to turn around a few days later, also gets the same opponent to sell tickets on that Wednesday after playing Sunday. I'm just wondering, is that really good? You know, to have the, the knockout games, just that short of a period after the final regular season, or should it maybe, you know, wait a week have it maybe on Friday and Saturday and then start up the, um, first round or the semifinals, maybe, uh, you know, the following Wednesday. Yeah.
1: Look, I, I, I think it is. It's it's clearly a disadvantage for these teams that have to be play one this one game playoff. That now they had short rest uh, heading into uh, the home or actually facing the teams that uh, uh that that have rested.
0: Well, I, I I want to interrupt you with that real quick. It's not so much the short rest. Um, I believe giving them a little bit of a disadvantage or at least rewarding the top two seeds in each conference. where yeah, but give them more time. Maybe, right. I would say maybe that they play the games on Sunday or maybe even play them Saturday, then maybe play these games, you know, maybe tonight. Tonight and, and Saturday. Then maybe start up the first round of the semifinals maybe next Wednesday. So there is still a little bit of a, a shortened window and to give maybe the uh, the other teams a little bit of a rest. I know you don't want to have them too you know too much rest, and they sort of you know fall into a bit of a funk. So I do want to give the top two seeds a little bit of an advantage, where these teams have to play and maybe come back a few days later to play the top seeded team right away. Yeah. But Maybe after. But you're talking about these teams; they play on Sunday. They play Wednesday or Thursday, then they're coming back playing Sunday again. So you're talking about three games that they got to play in about an eight day period. Eight, yeah. eight nine day period. That that's a little too cramped. Yeah. And also, cool. it gives these other teams a chance to you know, a few extra days to sell tickets. Maybe the you know the, the fans from maybe they would if they were to play maybe tonight with New York City and uh, Philadelphia, they would have got more fans at Yankee Stadium. Maybe you would have got more fans from Philadelphia to buy tickets and travel up to to New York for the game as well.
1: Oh, look, I, I get it. Uh, the, the thing I think that's most worrisome is that you adding another week uh, to the end of the season. Right. So now the MLS Cup is the first week of December. Now all of a sudden you make it the second week. But I got an easy solution for that. Just cut one game off the schedule cut one game of the schedule and start the playoffs one week earlier. So you could still finish at the same time and you still give the same amount of rest to both teams that are now playing in the first round or actually to, to the team that's played the first round match by a playoff game, uh, you know, rather than on a short rest.
0: Well, you don't necessarily have to make the season because not as if I'm saying where you push it back, they play this weekend and all of a sudden you don't you don't play again until next weekend. I would say also maybe have the, the semifinals kick off midweek next week. So and yeah. you play and you play that, that, you may maybe playing a Wednesday, and you can come back a few days later and play that Sunday or something like that. So you also you get you, know, you get you know you don't know, maybe you need a really week between each semifinal. Plus, there's the international break. Some players are gonna go off and play international games, but you could have played two games in a short time period for the semifinals, get that out of the way. Then you're going to have the international break, and then you can do the same thing on the other side. So it wouldn't necessarily be stretching it out to the second weekend in December. It still would have gotten the games done, but it would have given them a little extra time maybe to rest after decision day. Then they play. Then they got to come back a few days later. So there is maybe a little bit of a disadvantage that way, but – well, you got the,
1: the the TV audience on the weekends is much bigger also. You going know, to yeah. let's not forget
0: that that factor. Yeah. Also with the two-legged uh games here for the semifinals, should should they you know keep that, you know the two-legged or just go to a one-game knockout for each crown?
1: No, look, I I like uh I like the two-legged. I like yeah. the two-legged especially in this in a playoff format. I think it's uh it's the right thing to do. Mm.
0: Yeah, maybe. I, I guess because I just hate seeing it. You know, this whole season drag out longer and longer. Yeah, yeah. The first weekend in December, it's still not too bad.
1: Just shorten the just shorten the the week the season by one game. It's not going to kill anyone.
0: Uh, but it's still, when they have an even amount of games, though, it will have an even amount of in each conference. I know the Red Bulls usually play New York City three times, but there is all other Eastern Conference opponents that they only play twice. I don't know. Maybe that's how we could drop one of the games. I'm not sure. I don't know. There, they, there's, there's probably some ways they could work around it, though. Other Red Bull news, real quick. Aaron Long, finalist for MLS Defender of the Year. Luis Robles is a final finalist for MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. He won the award in 2015. He's also a finalist for the Humanitarian of the Year award. Good, uh, good job by Robles. Robles also broke the news uh, this week too that he'd been pl- revealed that he'd been playing with a partially torn ACL. This dates back to the the injury wow. he suffered, which um, ended his. Uh, Iron Man streak at 183 consecutive MLS games. He did pass the doctor's test, and he says he feels fine. It hasn't been bothering him. I guess he wraps it up. You know, he said he felt fine a few days after it, but they just wanted to do the MRIs. They found a slight tear, but he can still play with it. If he doesn't feel any pain, he's still playing. Yeah. Hopefully hopefully that holds up, especially now the weather's getting a little bit cooler. And real quick, Red Bull 2 – did uh, advance to the Eastern Conference Final. They beat Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati 1-0, snapping Cincy's 24-game unbeaten run. As we speak right now, Red Bull 2, we're recording this Friday night. They are playing Louisville City right now. Last I saw, they were losing 2-0 RB2. So they uh, let me just see at what point of the game. It might be at halftime right now. They might be into the second half as I delay right here. Opening up. All right, it's opening up. All right, they're at the 56th minute right now. They're down 2 0 So, obviously, we, you know, if they come back, that'd be great. If not, you know, make a run to the conference final. You know, it's not bad for the for the young RB2 team. All right, here we go. The main thing what we want to talk about, though, Eastern Conference semifinal. Now we know it's the New York Red Bulls. It's the Columbus Crew. Red Bulls will be starting the first leg on the road this Sunday at Columbus. 3 p.m. start on ESPN. That's going to be the first game of of the day. All four games will be on uh, first legs. Will be Sunday evening. The Crew are coming off 120 minutes and penalties against DC United. That was just last night, Thursday night, and they got to come back on Sunday and play. Um, this is my my friend uh, Walter texted me this morning saying he was glad that the Red Bulls avoided DC United. I'm not so certain about that, Alfredo, because Columbus usually does give the Red Bulls a bit of a problem. They yep. handed Red Bull one of their two home losses at Red Bull Arena this year. They jumped out to a 3-0 lead on July 28th before the Red Bulls stormed back to make it 3-2, but they held on for the 3-2 victory. Before that, on June 9th, it was on um, the Belmont Stakes Day, both teams played to a 1-1 draw. I know they were Red Bulls were missing some guys because right before that, the United States were playing – France to a 1-1 draw as well. And I know Tyler Adams was over there as well as uh, Tim Parker. So the Red Bulls were missing some guys in that match. But it's a team, though. You, you look at some of the guys they have available. Pedro Santos is injured, but some of the guys they have. Freder- we- Federico Higuain he is up there in age, also coming off a short uh, you know game midweek. Will Trapp, Justin Miram, uh, Zardes, Zach Steffen, and Goal. They do have a lot of talent, this Columbus team. And you you know what was going on with them with the whole uh, possible sale, relocation to Austin. That might not be going through now. The possibility they still might be in Columbus. But, you know, there is still a lot of emotion there. And this is also a team. There are still some guys left around from that team in 2015, the last time the Red Bulls won the Supporters Shield, that the crew defeated them in the Eastern Conference Final and went on to the MLS Cup. So, one benefit, that they are, they did play the knockout stage earlier this week, went into penalties. A lot of guys played over 120 minutes, and then they have to come back and play two and a half games later. But I'm just looking at it where this is a team that's given the Red Bulls problems. And D.C., on the other hand, we're a team that Red Bulls beat twice and played to a 3-3 draw. And all those games are with Wayne Rooney and Acosta. You who know, were on the team, too. So, I mean, it's almost the lesser of two evils, which one you want. You know, I, I I don't see this as something saying, "Oh, thank goodness they got the crew instead of DC United."
1: Yeah, look, I I think the biggest fear about DC United was that uh, they were hot, they were they were mm-hmm. carried the momentum into the playoffs, and and usually when teams carry the momentum into the playoffs, they end up going far, sometimes they win an MLS Cup. But I do think that Columbus is more difficult. Uh, it's a more difficult matchup for the Rebels because they've they were the only team uh, this year to beat uh the rebels in the regular series with the Thai up uh yeah. and then the the defeated rebel arena as you as you mentioned and this is a team that i think matches very well against the rebels uh i think that the rebels are going to have uh some trouble what i do think is that the rebels are going to need to make the uh, um take advantage of the short rest you got the wayne who is their their engine the yeah. guy that uh all the balls uh seem to go through his feet uh during the the the, the offensive transition during the, the setup during the balls into the final third and when you have a 34 year old that played a whole game plus extra time play three days later, I think that's going to be a disadvantage for the, for Columbus. But I, I think that the the rebels have enough and to, to beat them and, or even come out with the, with the positive result. The biggest thing for the rebels is not to give up any goals. That to me is the biggest thing.
0: Yeah. And if they can nick a goal on the road too, the road goals, way more, uh, with uh, the two-legged affair, so if they can get off to an early start and get one goal, and as you said, if they can hold a clean sheet on the road, tough place to do it in Columbus. But if they can hold the uh, hold them to one, that that would be a huge benefit coming back to Red Bull Arena, where they played so well this, this season. Um, it, it, it's 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 going to be interesting, though. But it's this one. When I saw it was Columbus, I'm going. Yeah. You know, OK, I, I think the only real benefit right now is that they are coming off of a short rest, though.
1: Yeah, look, I think that either one, D.C. would have come out with a short race yeah. also. But I think that the the Rebels have matched up against uh, D.C. much better this uh, this season. And yeah. regardless of that 3-3 shootout that they had down there, um, the Rebels well, always sort of,
0: had an answer. Yeah, Yeah. the Rebels always had an answer. And that was some uh, defensive lapses that the guys had that day um right sometimes those things happen but other than that by the way update 61st minute red bull two pull one back so it is two one so here here comes the charge hopefully hopefully the they, they they rally all right alfredo It's been great talking to you. Hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'm sorry about Benfica, but of course, people out there who are uh, fans of the Portuguese game or Benfica, of course, listen to the Benfica podcast. I'm sure they're going to have a lot to say this upcoming week about their performance. We'll be back next week to recap this first leg. Hopefully it's a nice positive result. Hopefully the Red Bulls are heading back home with um, one or two goals in their back pocket and don't concede any. And there'll be a, One step, one foot into MLS uh, Eastern Conference final. Alfredo, great talking with you. Enjoy the weekend, buddy. You too, Mike. All right. For Alfredo Fumasas, I am Mike Corbett. Thanks for listening to the Full of Bulls podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and visit our Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a presentation of the Full of Bulls Podcast. Thank you for listening.